if you don't have an outline, you are going to need one of those this morning, for sure. <laughs> uh, and the, the, the top of the page got cut off. It's, it's the promise fulfilled. It's, uh, well, it'll be up there in a minute, Lord willing. Um, if you want to write that on there, um, we can, you can write that on there. Um, but this morning is going to be a little bit more teaching than what it has been in the previous three or four weeks. Um, but we've, we've, we've got to get down uh, Acts chapter number 2, uh, Pentecost. We've got to get that down. Why, why do we got to get Pentecost down? Well, we're, it's really going to describe exactly what happened. Uh, and, and it's going to lay a doctrinal foundation. What happened at Pentecost is going to lay a doctrinal foundation for the work of the Spirit for the rest of, for the, rest of the Bible. Okay? Uh, for the transition, especially in the transitioning period. And, and remember, the book of Acts, we don't pull anything out of the book of Acts doctrinally, right? All of our doctrinal foundation does not come from the book of Acts. Why? Well, because the book of Acts is a time of transition. And we, we said that. It's transitioning from the kingdom of heaven to the kingdom of God. It's transitioning from a time period to where the kingdom would be on this earth. The kingdom of heaven would be on this earth. And it's transitioning into a time period to where the kingdom of God, which is in us, is that transferal is taking place. And that is such a big deal to really grasp. And if you haven't gotten a chance to uh, hear all of that, you can go back and you can get in on the very first messages. If you want to go to YouTube, uh, I think we've got a, a thing where we've separated all of Acts stuff out. And so please go there and listen to all of that getting up through here. Again, you don't have to take anything I say um, as, as the gospel truth. I, I want you to search it out. I want you to be proven in your own mind what the, what the Word of God is saying to you is actually true. And, and why, why, are we, why would I want to do that? Well, because I don't want you to believe anything that isn't true. Amen? I don't want you to just believe anything that, that isn't true. And so you make sure you do the study on your own. And you dig deep, and you look, and you see, all right, what, what is the Lord saying uh, to me? And, but do it comparing Scripture with Scripture. And I'm going to give you a bunch of those this morning. Um, but let me say on the front side, um, there is, if you'll hear this with ears to hear this morning, there is, in my opinion, um, it, you will be able to leave out of here, and you will be able to say, number one, that I understand uh, what Pentecost is in Acts chapter number 2. And then you will be able to say, uh, my goodness, I did not know that the Lord could weave such a detailed picture uh, from the very front of the book all the way to the back of the book together and make it make sense like he made it make sense. And when you hear it, I, I hope that you hear it the same way uh, God has put it in my heart and God has taught me through it. Um, there's a couple of things we're going to deal with this morning. Um, we're going to deal, and, and I laid the verses out. Uh, they're on the screen, Luke chapter 24. Uh, Luke chapter 24, and uh, verse number 49, he says, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but you tarry 
uh, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. So here it is, Luke chapter 24, the promise of the Spirit. Same deal. Uh, we get into Acts chapter 1 and verse number 4. Same exact thing. We, we see that the promise of the Father is going to happen. What is that promise? Well, it's exactly what God called it was. He said it's, it's going to be power. It's going to be power. What, what kind of power is it? It is going to be the power that energizes the New Testament church. It is going to be the power that energizes the New Testament church. Uh, we use this verse uh, a little bit, John 16 and, and verse number 7, just as a kind of a proof text that the Holy Spirit coming has always been a deal, right? The ascension of Jesus Christ in the mind of Christ has always been a deal. And the reason for that is when he ascended, John 16, verse uh, number 7, he said, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, I, it's expedient that I, uh, for you that I go. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Okay? Does that, does that make sense? I will send him unto you. Why, why is all of that such a big deal? Because we've got to make sure that we understand that none of this is an afterthought in the mind of God. Okay, None of this is an afterthought in the mind of God. And you're going to see this morning that all the way back in Leviticus chapter 23, all the way back in Leviticus chapter number 23, you're going to find out this morning that it was God's plan the entire time for Acts chapter number 2 to unfold like it did. So, so I'm going to prove to you this morning that all the way back in Leviticus 23, that God had a plan for Acts chapter number 2 to unfold just like it did. You say, why is that so significant? Well, if you don't know that, then we all need help, right? <laughs> Amen. If we can't figure out why Acts 2 and Leviticus 23 are, are such, uh, them two correlating so well together, uh, being such a dynamic deal, then, then we got problems anyway. Amen. All right, so uh, let's, let's um, you know what, let's, let's do this. Um, let's go to Acts chapter number 2, and we're going to start in verse number 1. Acts chapter number 2, and uh, in, in verse number 1, the Bible said, And when the day of Pentecost, uh, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and, and, uh, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty, uh, excuse me, a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance, and there were uh, dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven, now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were, confound, and, uh, and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language and they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all of these which speak Galileans and how hear we every man in our own tongue? Okay, uh, so it, it goes off in nearly 15, there's a list of nearly 15 um, uh, uh, different kinds of languages that are rolling out. And verse number 12 says it like this, And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? Others mocking said, These men are full of new wine. These men are full of new wine. So let's pray, 
and then we'll uh, we'll jump into it. Lord, thank you again for today. Thank you for being good. Uh, Lord, thank you for being faithful to us. Uh, Lord, thank you for giving us uh, a place to worship and giving us a place to come and and Lord to really be able to set our roots in deep and dig and grow and disciple and see people come to faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you for this place. Uh, Lord, I pray that you give us ears to hear. I pray, God, that you make things clear this morning. I pray, God, that you help us to understand the words of God as they're plainly written and, uh, and plainly to be understand, uh, understood. Uh, again, Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, <clears throat> so um, there's, uh, there's two primary uh, there's two primary problems in uh, in some mainstream uh, in some mainstream Christianity. Two primary heresies that are coming from these verses today, and I want to make sure that we deal with those verses. Well, what are the What are the the heresies? Well, there's a misunderstanding, and there's a private interpretation of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay, there's a misunderstanding and a private interpretation. Of the, of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then there's a misunderstanding and a private interpretation of tongues. Okay? Those are two, those are two things that we get out of, out of um, Acts chapter number 2 a lot of times that are doctrinally, they base these things doctrinally, and it, and it kind of throws the whole thing out of whack. And, and so I want to make sure that we discuss those this morning. I want to make sure you're going to need to take some good notes this morning. Okay? Um, I, I'm, I'm going to do my best to cover as much as I can, but covering 13 verses um, is, is going to be a chore, uh, to say the very least. But I want to make sure that, that we work hard and that we understand God wants to do something in our life. So let's look at the very first one, the event of the Spirit's coming. The event of the Spirit's coming. Okay, my girls, we got home yesterday. I say yesterday, last Sunday. And they said, all right, you mentioned Pentecost all these times. And you mentioned it like everybody in the room knew what Pentecost was. And uh, both of them was like, yeah, that's a problem. You're going to have to not do that anymore. Uh, like everybody already has uh, a definition of what Pentecost is. I was like, oh, oh, okay, all right. So, uh, let's, let's, so let's dive into what that is. Um, what is the event of the Spirit's coming? Well, we know it to be Pentecost. We know it to be Pentecost. And, and, and don't, don't miss this this morning. The, when we're talking about Pentecost, it, the, the promise of the Spirit came, all right, you ready? It came on Pentecost, okay? The promise of the Spirit came on Pentecost. So, so the promise of the Spirit did not define the day of Pentecost. Pentecost was already an event, but the Spirit came on Pentecost. So Pentecost is already a thing. Does that make sense? Does everybody try going when I say that? Pentecost was already a thing. It was not created for the first time on this day. And, and, and so I, I, want you to, I want you to just put your practical thinking in place just for a minute. Um, if Pentecost was already a thing, and it is, are you ready? It's an Old Testament thing. Hello, somebody. We better be careful. We better be careful at trying to derive any of our New Testament theology 
and then and then labeling it from a completely set of uh, a different set of standards that that we might name uh, Pentecostal. Does that make sense? And I'm not taking shots. I, I literally, I am not taking shots. I think we need to make sure we understand Pentecost is a thing. It was a thing before Acts chapter number two. It just so happens that the Spirit come on this day. Okay? All right, so why, why is that such a big deal? Now, it's, it's a big deal because Pentecost was an event. It was not an experience. Okay, we're not, looking for, we're not looking for an experience. It was an event, and many people confuse the two. Pentecost was an actual event, and it occurred annually. And so the, the whole understanding is uh, that this thing would happen every single year on the Jewish calendar. Pentecost would come. And what is Pentecost? Pentecost uh, was one of seven feasts. It was one of seven feasts. Uh, in the in in the one of seven Jewish feasts, and you can find those feasts in Leviticus chapter number twenty three. Okay, uh, there's there's seven there's seven of these uh, there's seven of these feasts, which is kind of crazy. Um, but but when you go and look at them, they paint, and we don't have time for this today. But they paint a redemptive story like it would just blow your mind. I'm going to give you the first three this morning. I'm going to let you see the first three this morning. What, what is Pentecost? It's known in the Bible also as the Feast of Weeks. It's known as the Feast of Weeks. It's transliterated from the Greek word meaning 50 or 50th. Meaning 50 or 50th. And, and that's because Pentecost or the Feast of Weeks was to be celebrated, aren't you ready, 50 days after Passover. 50 days after Passover. Uh, Leviticus 23 and verse 15 and ye shall count unto you from the morrow after the Sabbath, from the day that ye, uh, that ye brought the sheaf of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths to be complete, even unto the morrow after the seventh Sabbath, shall ye number fifty days, and ye shall offer new me, uh, a new meat offering unto the Lord. So, so there is uh, seven Sabbaths plus a day, okay? So it's 49 plus a day. So the next day after the seven times seven. <laughs> and I'm putting that out there because it is rather interesting that the, uh, the, we're, we're going the day after the seven times 70, uh, seven is showing up. All right. What is the number seven in your Bible? Somebody say it loud and proud. Completion. It's the number of completion. And so what does God do? He says, all right, seven times Seven, the day after that, that's going to be when Pentecost happens. Okay? So it's 50, it's 50 days after the Passover. 50 days after the Passover. Uh, Exodus 34 and verse 22. And thou shalt observe the feast of weeks of the first fruits of wheat harvest, the feast of the of ingathering at the year's end. So uh, the Jewish history kind of gives us a look in on the Pentecost uh, or the, the Feast of Weeks. Um, and, and what you see, what you see with the, the Feast of Weeks, what you see at the, at the Pentecost is th this is a time where, uh, this is a time to where the giving of the law is usually commemor commemor commemorated as well. This is a time to where they actually, uh, they actually start thinking back on the 
the giving of the law, the giving of Moses' law, all right? Uh, now, here we are uh, 50 days after that in uh, the New Testament. Now, we no longer have the giving of the law, but we now have the giving of the Spirit. Okay, can you, can you see what God's, trying, what God's trying to break over into this transition, transitional time period? Does that make sense? Uh, you're breaking over into this transitional time period where we will no longer celebrate the giving of the law like it was with Moses, but now the Spirit of God is coming. Okay, Another interesting fact is 3,000 died at the giving of the law. And 3,000 were saved with the giving of the Spirit. Now, now I, I mean, again, it's a, it's a very, it's a, it's a, it's a great picture. It's a great picture that God in Leviticus chapter twenty-three and Exodus chapter number thirty-four is weaving this whole thing together for us to see that God, in His empowerment of the Spirit, during this time of transitions into the individual life of the believer. Now, you're going to find out what the Spirit does here in a few minutes. And, and I'm going I'm I'm to show you what the Spirit does here in a few minutes. Uh, but but here, here's um, the Feast of First Fruits. The Feast of First Fruits uh, is uh, the Feast of First Fruits, uh, the Feast of Weeks. Now, they, they, they would, it, when, you're, when you're looking at Pentecost, uh, when you're looking at Pentecost, and you're looking at the Feast of Weeks, so they brung in, they would bring in the feast, the first fruits of wheat harvest. Okay? The first fruit of wheat harvest. Now, why is, why is that such a big deal? Why is that such a big deal? Exodus 34. Why would they bring in the first fruits of wheat harvest? Well, it does point to something else. It does point us to something else. And, and th all this, is, and that's why I said you're, you're going to need you're gonna need a pen this morning. Because uh, as you can see, there's just not any more room on that page. All right? And when I start stapling pages together around here, everybody wants to throw a fit and get their pitchforks out. So I thought, well, we'll just leave that part out. And hopefully they can write it in there. Uh, but but when, you, when you see the feast, when you see the first fruits happening... You understand there's, a, there's another deal that's taken place in the middle of this whole thing. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse number 20, uh, you, you can just write that out there, it, that, that Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ, you ready? He is, he is our first fruit, uh, the first fruit from the dead, okay? The first fruits of them that slept. He's the first fruits of them that slept. Now, you say, oh, that's, that's not that big a deal. It's, it's not such a big deal that I even want to write it down. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to help you see that this whole coming of the Spirit on Pentecost is, an, is a thing that we really need to pay attention to from an Old Testament standpoint. Okay, I don't think it's a coincidence that God chose uh, on, the, on Pentecost uh, for the coming of the Spirit to occur. Why? Well, uh, let, let's, let's take a dive in Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 22. 
Galatians 5 and verse number 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no what? There is no law. Okay, there, there is no law. Uh, Galatians 6 and verse 8, For he that soweth his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Okay, so, so God, is now, God is now giving us the fruit of... Now, it's no longer the fruit of the law. But we're now, we are, we are because we have, we're, because we have the Spirit. Now, the fruit of this Spirit is this. Now, I told you that the Jews would, uh, was there to commemorate the giving of the law. Uh, Peter says it like this in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 20, knowing this, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, but holy men of God as they spake, as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So, so now we have a whole new, we have a whole new deal coming about. Uh, what, what, is this, what is this new deal? It is holy men of God speaking as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Okay, that is what the Word of God is, and we celebrate that now. We commemorate that now as the Spirit, you ready? As the Spirit of God, had it not been given. All right, it's a big deal because what you have in your Bible now, what you have in your Bible as, as the Apostle Paul had been baptized into the New Testament church and, and been filled with the Spirit of God, and now God has made the Apostle Paul his temple. You have what you have now. As holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. All right, so it's a big deal. It's a really big deal, and it's... It, it don't, don't miss out on the connections of this. Uh, so Pentecost is, a, is an event. Everybody on track with me there. Pentecost was an event. It still is an event for, uh, for Orthodox Jews. Okay, uh, But it was a sacred feast of the Jews. There's another really interesting thing that happens in, 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 uh, in, in the Feast of uh, Pentecost, in the Feast of Weeks. Another really interesting thing happens. They take two loaves of bread and they wave these two loaves of bread to the Lord. Now, what's significant about this is that these two loaves, these two loaves were to be made with leaven. They were to be made with leaven. Uh, now, you can see that, Leviticus 23 and verse 17. Now, all in your Bible, when you look through your Bible, you're going to find that leaven, and, and I hope that somebody remembers this, that leaven is a picture of what? That leaven is a picture of sin. That leaven is a picture of sin. Now, why would God, out of thin blue air, Say on Pentecost, I want you to make two loaves and I want you to make them with leaven. And I want you to wave them to the Lord. Well, I want you to take, take a look into this thing, how God is trying to prophetically, as he is birthing the New Testament church 
in, uh, as he is birthing the New Testament church in the book of Acts chapter number 2 on the day of Pentecost, the church is made up of two primary groups. What are those groups? They're Jews and they're what? They're Gentiles. They're Jews and they're Gentiles. And what do those two primary groups, uh, what are they made up of? They're made up of, uh, they're made up of, of, of what these same loaves are made up. They were made up of leaven. They're made up of sin. And, and, and here it is, because the church is made up of sinners. Jews and Gentiles alike had to be baptized into the body of Christ and the Spirit of God was what would baptize them into the body of Christ. Everybody track with me right there. Okay? It also points to the picture that, that this is uh, what, what was two is now going uh, to become one. So, uh, so the picture is about what God's doing. It's about what God's doing. And it, so it's 10 days. It's 10 days uh, since. It's 10, it's 10 days since uh, Jesus Christ has left. And this event is taking place. This event is taking place. And there is, there is this special thing happening. On the day of Pentecost, there is this special thing that is happening on the day of Pentecost. And what is that thing that's happening? The Spirit of God is fully come. Leviticus 23, Exodus chapter number 34, they all point us to a place in time to where you and me can see that that God was so wonderfully orchestrating throughout the, uh, throughout the, the decades, uh, th throughout the decades of time, that God was so wonderfully orchestrating how that this, this act in the book of Leviticus was actually going to change, was actually going to change the course of history in Acts chapter number 2, and it was going to be an event like none other. Now listen, that's enough internal evidence for any lost man. That if he'll really look at the evidence, the evidence is clear that he's guilty. The evidence is clear that, that, that both loaves have leaven in them. The evidence is clear that we're sinful. The evidence is clear That God wants to work in our lives, not through the death of the law. Not through celebrating the law and not through trying to keep the law because you can't keep the law. You are not good enough to keep the law. You, you are not good enough to not lie. I, I mean, Jesus says, I, thou shalt not commit adultery. But, but I say unto thee, if you look upon a woman with lust in your heart, Jesus is like, all right, so you're going to say you haven't actually committed the act. Well, let's take it a step further, and I'll tell you how you know you committed the act. Man and woman alike. Here, here it is, guys. Here it is, girls. It doesn't matter if you tell me you haven't committed adultery. If you look on a woman with lust in your heart, you might as well have done the deeds, what he's saying. Now, not, that's not a license for all y'all to go out here and start fornicating. 
But it is to prove to you and me that we're guilty sinners. Amen? Okay, uh, let me give you the next one. The witness of the Spirit's coming. The witness of the Spirit's coming. Okay? Um, you, you see that in, 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 in verse number 2. And suddenly there came uh, a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind that filled the house where they were sitting and appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it sat upon each of them. They were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak. Uh, and began to speak with other tongues, and the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, what's interesting is the Spirit's coming, first of all, was evidenced by a sound. It was evidenced by some noise. It was, it was evidenced because there was a sound from heaven, and it, and it sounded like a rushing mighty wind. And, it, and it, it's crazy that that rushing mighty wind, it happened all of the sudden because that's exactly how the Spirit of God works in our life. Amen? It happens all of the sudden, and, and, it, and it's wild. In, in, a, in a moment, you make a free will choice to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior when you are convicted in that moment, and you know you are a sinner. And then, you ready? In a moment, suddenly, the Spirit of God indwells you. In that same moment, in that same moment that you call on the name of the Lord, in that same moment, new life is created inside of you. And you are now the temple of the Spirit of God. And guess what? There is another time period, in, there's another thing in time that's going to happen, and it's going to be in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, the trump shall sound, and the dead in Christ be raised corruptible and we shall be changed all of that's going to happen in a moment why because that's all the spirit of God's business in a moment that's how he works in a moment it's going to be sudden it's going to be in a moment and that's how the Holy Ghost works in our life you say uh, John 3 and, and verse number 8 I want to give you kind of a little clue in what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus. He says, The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is, what? It's born of the Spirit. So, so here it is. You, you can't tell. You can hear it. It's a sound. You can hear the wind, but you can't your hands on the wind, you, you can hear it though. And, the, and so this is actually this is actually what we need to understand about Pentecost. There wasn't actually any wind, it was the sound of wind. Does that make sense? It was the sound of wind, and, and they heard something. They heard something. <laughs> what did they hear? Well, it's probably what we hear. It's probably what we hear. What do we hear? Well, Romans 10, verse 17 says like this, So then uh, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing what? By the word of God. And, and so, this is, so this, is what, this is what they're hearing. And, and we, we need to make sure that we understand that, that when we're talking, about, we're talking about what's happening in Acts chapter number 2, we got to make sure we keep our doctrine straight and make sure that we understand that the initial sign of the filling of Holy Ghost is not found in Acts chapter number 2 by tongues. That's not the initial sign. Okay? That is, you can't base an entire doctrine 
off of Acts chapter number 2. Why? Because you don't see this happen nowhere else in the Bible like this. It, it's not a consistent thing once you, that once you start getting into uh, once you start getting into the church epistles, actually, the book of Romans never mentions this. The only time that tongues are ever actually broken down are, are where? In, in the book of first what? Corinthians. Why is that the only church that they ever have to deal with them all? Because they're the craziest church in the whole Bible. They're nuts. <laughs> they're a lot like us. They got some screws loose, and they, God's having to deal with them, and, and God's using Paul to deal with them. But, but when you, you hold to that tradition that the initial sign of the filling of the Holy Ghost is tongues, you misrepresent the Word of God. And listen, I know a lot of good people. I know a lot of good people that will argue this doctrine, and there's, it doesn't make them any less good people. I know a lot of good people that will argue this, and they, they argue this with me today. And I, I got a great friend. Uh, I won't tell you his, his name's Josh. I won't tell you his last name. But, but we argue about this, and we debate about this on a regular basis. And I don't really have anywhere else to go but just the, the several proof texts that I have. And, and, and it's fine. He, he, we go other places, and we deal with other things that are not actually proof texts. He's a great man, though. He's a really great man. So we see, though, we see, though, that that it was the sound of wind. That's the initial thing. It was the the sound of wind, and and, and so the sound of a mighty rushing wind, and 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 it's it's an immaterial thing. It's an invisible thing. It it can't be touched. Much like Jesus said to Nicodemus, "You can hear the wind, but you can't touch it." So the same way the Spirit of God works. You can hear it, but you can't, you can't touch it. It's an immaterial thing. And then the next thing is uh, not only sight, but sound. I mean, not only sight, uh, sound, but sight. Uh, because they, they didn't only hear something, they also saw something. They saw something. What did they see? They saw t uh, cloven tongues like as of fire. Cloven tongues like as of fire. And, and now this is not an everyday occurrence, amen? Uh, th this is not something that's happening on a regular basis. Um, we would say if you've seen cloven tongues of fire that you probably ate some bad pizza, right? Or you took a whole sheet of acid, one of the two. Uh, but what, whatever, whatever the case is, it's, it's is a one-time occurrence. What does the word cloven mean? It means uh, divided or split. It means divided or split, like a uh, like a bilingual kind of deal, like forked tongue kind of deal. These tongues of fire uh, symbolized that there is power in the Spirit of God working in these men to do what? To go and preach the gospel to who? To all, all nations, to everyone. It is no longer, it, it is a thing that we are going to preach the gospel to the nations and the Spirit of God uses the cloven tongues of fire as they spoke, as they spoke and every man heard in his own language, right? Man, there's a great picture here. There's a great picture here. 
What is the picture? It's God working in his people to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. It's God working in his people to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And we need to make sure that we understand that. That that is what God's doing when he is giving out languages in other people's vernacular. And when he's giving out languages, and I mean, I mean, they're all hearing some 15 different people are hearing the word of God in their own language. That's a supernatural thing that only came from the spirit of God. Okay. Why is that such a big deal? Because it, point, it tells us, it tells us that God is really, God is working and, and God is really trying to get them to go to the ends of the world. That God is really trying to get them to go to the ends of the world. It represented God's power specifically through his word to lead people. To lead people, okay? You got some more references, James 23, Exodus 40. Um, you, can go back and, you can go back and look at them. There is no coincidence uh, how God used uh, the pillar of fire. Uh, to lead the children of Israel at night. The church is actually in the night. The night is far spent. Amen. Uh, the, the, where we're living, the night is definitely indeed far spent. Okay. Um, there, there's, there's something else that I, I think we need to, I think we need to, um, we need to deal with. Let's, let's deal with this. Two different baptisms. Two different baptisms. Let's, let's look at the verse. Luke chapter 3 and verse 16. Now this is John the Baptist. John the Baptist comes on the scene, and, uh, and he says, uh, John answered, saying unto them, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose, for he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Everybody see that? Okay, uh, what, what is at the end of that fire? It's a little, right there, it's not, what's the, uh, it's a colon. Thank you, Dylan. I appreciate that. Everybody thought, what's well, a piece of paper? It's a trick question. Again, it's actually not. You have to look at verse 17 uh, on past 16 to figure out what is at the end of 16, and it is a colon, Okay. That colon is there to let you know what this, what, what this whole baptism thing is actually all about, being baptized with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Okay? That is two different baptisms. How do you know it's two different baptisms? If you stop in verse 16, you're not going to get the two baptisms. But if you go to verse 17, you're going to see this. Whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly, uh, thoroughly purge his floor and will gather the wheat into his garner. You ready? But the chaff he will burn with the fire. You ready? Unquenchably. What is that? Okay, that don't sound like the baptism of the Holy Ghost to me. You know what that sounds like when you compare Scripture with Scripture? That sounds like hell. Why does it sound like hell? Because it is hell. Okay, what, what, Jesus is going to baptize me in hell. He does. Unbelievers are baptized into hell. 
How are they? Like you are baptized in the Holy Ghost, which is sealed unto the day of what? Redemption. You ready? What is that? That is forever. You are baptized with unquenchable fire. What is that? Same deal. Forever. So Jesus Christ, where's that going to happen? Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter number 20, when it all culminates and it all comes to a head, that's where that's going to happen at. Okay? I told you, man, this is a lot. You're like, man, you should have taught this on Monday night in the... <laughs> But, but I, I'm, try, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to get you to see that Acts chapter number 2 is a way bigger deal uh, than what we uh, make it to be a lot of times. Okay, um, So the baptism, it, it's two baptisms, and, and you can write this out. It's, it's a baptism of the Holy Ghost, and it's a baptism of fire, and, and they are not the same. They are not the same. They are not the same. Okay? Um, here, here's, here's the thing. You do not want to be baptized with fire. You don't want to be baptized with fire. That's not what you want to be baptized with. Why do I want to not be baptized? Because that's hell. You don't want to be baptized with hell, right? Okay, you want to be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Now, now I, I wrote it. I, I put it in your, I put it in your outline. Uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12 and verse 13. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one what? Body. Whether we be one of the two loaves, what are they? Jews or Gentiles. Whether we be bond or free and have, all, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. Okay, this is the baptism that you and I want. Look at Galatians chapter 3 and verse 26. For we are all the children of God. How? Not because we're born into it, not because we're Americans, not because we were raised on church pews, not because we went to Awana, not because we were in a youth group somewhere, uh, not because our parents uh, were good church members and grandma, grandma and grandpa and deacons and all that stuff, right? Amen? It, 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 why? Why? Why, are, why have we become children of God? Well, we become children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Now, what does that look like? What does it look like to be a child of God? Verse 27 says it like this. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Okay? Now, uh, you can't sprinkle on Christ. What do you, you got to do? You got to be fully immersed in Christ. Amen? Does that make sense? It's the only way to get sealed, to be fully immersed in Christ. And, and so uh, make, make, sure, make, sure that's a, make sure that's a deal. You get worked out in your mind. And, and so this is the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and it's placing the believer into the body of Christ. It's placing the believer into the body of Christ. By this one spirit are we all baptized into one body. We are all baptized into one body. So that's how you get into the body of Christ. In the, the time period that you are, the moment that you place your faith and your trust 
in the finished work of Jesus Christ, in 1 Corinthians 15, in the death and the burial and, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, then you at that moment in time, Remember, in a moment of time, at that moment of time, you are then baptized into Jesus Christ, the body of Christ, okay? All right. Man, we could do this for weeks, but you'd be bored in weeks, so we're trying to hurry, all right? Uh, I, know, I know how y'all work. Everybody, everybody, be, everybody, be, everybody today is like, slow down. We need more time. We need more notes. In three weeks' time, be, I wish this fool would hurry up. So I know how this goes. I've been down this road a time or two, so we're running through it as fast as we can. Okay, so, uh, so we understand that, that we, we're, we're, dealing with, we're dealing with this baptism. Uh, we're dealing with this baptism, and, and it is being baptized into uh, the body of Christ. All right? So, now, uh, let's look at number three. (laughs) Let's look at number three. The result, the result of the Spirit's coming. The result of the Spirit's coming. So this is, uh, again, this is a unique time in history. Uh, This is a transitional time where we're still primarily primarily Jewish-focused. And if you hadn't gotten to listen to the past uh, messages on this, you need to go back and listen to them. Uh, The apostles are now filled with the Spirit. They've been baptized into the body of Christ and the effect, the effect of their baptism into the body of Christ, what is that effect? Well, they are now speaking in tongues of other men's language the words of God. That's what they're doing. They're speaking in tongues of other men's language the words of God. And we see that. We see when they spoke in these tongues, it was a result, it was a result Okay, make, make sure that you get this. These men, in speaking in these languages, came as a result of filling, not of baptism. Not of baptism. Okay, just because you're baptized into the body of Christ doesn't mean you're going to do exactly what they did. And everybody said Amen. We're all gifted in different ways, right? Now, I still believe that the Holy Ghost of God has got the ability to give a man the ability to hear the words of God, fault me if you will, in his own language. I still believe that. I believe a man can go and, 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 and preach, and I believe that a man can hear the words of God in his own language. I'll be honest with you. There's a lot of times when, when I wonder how many people don't know a lick about the Bible. But the Holy Ghost of God is the teacher. The Holy Ghost of God is the one that works. The Holy Ghost of God is the one that brings people to a place of salvation. And a lot of times, I I mean, I I can't tell you what that man preached the day I got saved. I just knew what God was doing in my heart, right? I can't tell you what was said. I can't tell you the sermon that he preached. I can't tell you what I said. Here's what I know. God is dealing with me at this moment in time, amen? I heard the words of God, all right? And I heard those words in my heart, all right? So so here it is. Um, They're preaching. And it was in the native language of the hearer, and, and, and not something that nobody doesn't know, okay? 
It's not something that nobody that somebody doesn't know. They're, they're, they're preaching in a language that those people around them hear and those people around them know. And, and when, when, you, when you connect the baptism of the Spirit to, uh, to this whole idea that you're going to speak in, in a tongue, then, then here's, here's where you run into. You're, you then run into that you need proof of being baptized into the Holy Spirit by, uh, by the Holy Spirit by some external form of something. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, so not only do they confuse baptism, but then they confuse the purpose and the use of why those tongues even showed up on that day anyway. Okay. Beyond that, tongues, uh, we, we know for sure. Uh, let, let's, let's look at 1 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 20. Uh, 21. It is written in the law with men of other uh, with men of other tongues and with other lips will I speak unto this people and yet for all that they will not hear me saith the Lord. Wherefore tongues are for a what? A sign. Not to them that believe but to them that what? Let's say it one more time. But to them that what? Believe not. Now remember we're we're dealing with the with a church. Uh, we're dealing with the church at Corinth. We're still we're still new. We're still extremely new to this idea, uh, the, to this idea of Christianity to begin with. Does that make sense? I think sometimes we read the Bible like it's been around for two thousand years in the Book of First Corinthians, and it has not. It's so new. This revelation of being baptized into Christ is a new thing that's been revealed by the Apostle Paul. And so, what's happening is there is still a unique time period that they're dealing with right here in this in this time. Does that make sense? Okay, it's still a very unique time period. Okay. Uh, wherefore tongues are for a sign not to them that believe but to them that believe not but prophesying serveth not for them that believe not but for them which believe so what do we know prophesying to be prophesying is is what we know to be modern day preaching okay so preaching serveth not for them that believe not but for them which believe okay so this this whole idea uh, that they were using these tongues uh, as a sign to them which believe not. And 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 22, For the Jews require a sign, uh, but the Greeks uh, seek after wisdom. The Greeks seek after wisdom. So, uh, tongues were dealing with unbelieving Jews. And, and, and they were dealing with people uh, distinctly in this time period, in this time period, a worldwide time period where they were trying to authenticate the speaker. They were trying to authenticate the preacher. They were trying to authenticate the messenger who was going to bring the message. And they were going to Israel. They were going to show Israel that God was working in a different way. Now, you're, you're fixing to see some crazy stuff uh, on this last point. Dan, you can, you can come on there and uh, get ready to play. You're going to see some crazy stuff in this next point. Because this one, if there's any, if for the sake of practicality, I would say that this one is more practical than anything uh, that we've looked at so far. It's been extremely teaching, I know. Why don't you look at one more, one more verse. 1 Corinthians 13 and verse number 8. 
Charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall fail. They shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. Okay, there's a time period to where these sign gifts are ceasing. They are they're coming to a halt, and God is moving on, and God is opening up the church to the Gentiles, and God is, is speaking in such a way to where we need to understand that, that tongues, they had a place. And everybody said amen. They're not something that we escape, we try to get around. The, they had a place. But, but here it is. Here it is. They were never to teach. They were always to point. They were never to teach. They were always to point. What were they pointing? They were pointing to Jesus Christ. They were pointing to God being real. And, and, and to point to the Jews to God and what God was doing. And this new thing that has started. And this new thing was was a church that was being opened up to the world and it's no longer a, a Jewish thing, but now it's a, it's a worldwide thing. I don't know how many of you, may, maybe, go back and read, the, go back and read uh, Genesis chapter number 11 about the Tower of Bible. And what you're going to see when you read Genesis 11 and talking about the Tower of Babel, you're going to see a group of people that wanted to go to a certain place and they wanted to build a really big place, a really nice place, and they wanted to stay in their place and they wanted men to come to them. But that was never God's plan. God's plan was to multiply. God's plan was to reproduce. God's plan was for them to go to the ends of the earth. That was God's plan. And they didn't, they didn't hold to God's plan. So what they do? They came to Babel. They came to, they came to Shinar. And they looked at Shinar and they're like, man, this is a beautiful place. Let's build us a tower here. We're going to build a tower to heaven. And we're going to make our name great. We're not going to make God's name great. We're going to make our name great. And we're going to get everybody to come to us. And we're not going to have to go anywhere because the plain of Shinar, it's way better to look on. It's a, it's a really nice place. So what you have is the Tower of Babel is rebellion against the Great Commission that we have. Okay? And so what does God do? He confounds the languages. He confounds the languages and He gets every man to where they can't even speak anymore to each other and so what happens, men to where they can't speak to each other anymore so what happens? They scatter. They're like, alright, well, I can't even talk to this. I can't even talk to this dude no more. Man, can you imagine that? Everybody's talking in the same language one day. You wake up the next day and everybody's like, what's for breakfast and nobody can understand each other? Like, for real. I mean, one day we're all understanding each other and then the next day, this dude's talking in some language that's just so unknown. He's like, well, I guess we're going to go down the road because we, we, we can't hang out here no more. Well, here's what happens. The Spirit of God brings all that back together. The Spirit of God brings men back together and now they can, now, they can preach the gospel to every nation. That's what the power of the Holy Spirit 
can do in our own life. It can embolden us to go and preach to people that we never would before. Let me give this last one, just real quick. The indecision of the Spirit's coming. At the Spirit's coming. The indecision at the Spirit's coming. Look, 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 real quick. And they were all amazed. You ready? And we're in doubt. There's two different groups. They're all amazed and they're in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? Others mocking said, These men are full of new wine. There's two people groups here. There's some that are amazed and there's some that's mocking. They're amazed that God is working in such a mighty way. They're amazed that God is doing such great things. And they're amazed that God has infiltrated their life in such a way to where He's doing great things. And then other people are mocking those great things. Other people are saying, man, look at these drunks. They're full of new wine. We know they're not because it's 9 a.m. in the morning. They're, they're at a time, unless they got drunk all night long, which some of y'all's done. I said, y'all, like I ain't never been a part of that. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the two thieves hanging on either side of Jesus. One of those, one of those thieves seen his wrongdoing. One of those thieves was amazed at the grace of God when, when he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He is amazed and he sees the goodness of God hanging right there in the middle. And he bows his heart and he bows all of his pride and he says, you know what, hey, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? The other one rails on him. The other one rails on him and, 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 and he rebukes him and he, and, and, he, and, he, and he comes into him and he says, hey, why don't you save us? If you're a king, why don't you save us? Those are the same two types of people that that come into your life every day. There's going to be some that are amazed. There are going to be some, man, they're going to hear, they're going to hear, man, what are you talking about? You're talking about discipleship this, discipleship that. You're talking about people coming to Christ and being totally devoted to Christ. You're talking about people laying their life down for the mission. You're talking about people laying their life down and, and, and seeing God work in their life. Some people are going to be crazy, amazed that God is working in our lives like He's working in our life. And then others are going to look at us and say, man, them, them are a bunch of fools right there. They've lost their mind. And, and here's, here's, what, here's what it is. It's indecision on our part. It's indecisiveness of whether I want to be in the world or whether I want to be about the mission. It's one foot in the world and it's one foot in the mission. It's one foot, it's half-hearted here and it's half-hearted there. And, and God's plain... Man, that he don't want none of that half-hearted stuff in our life. He, he doesn't want any of that lukewarm stuff in our life. He doesn't want you and me living on the fence. And we live on the fence so many times. We live camouflaged. We're like Christians, but we wear some kind of veil over us. Nobody sees that we're Christians. We're saved on the inside. We've been born again, and we've been sealed on the day of redemption, and yet we live like nobody can see that. And we don't want the Spirit to work, and we can't trust God to open this book and make it make sense. 
Well, I just don't have time to study the Bible. I just don't have time to read the Bible. That's what you're supposed to do. Listen, it'd be a great day if half of y'all would just trust God to make you the people that you need to be, that God wants you to be, to make you the husband that you need to be. It's not hard. Christianity 101 is following Jesus and saying no to the world. Bible college Christianity is this, saying yes to Jesus and no to the world. Doctorate Christianity is this, saying yes to Jesus and no to the world. It's the same wherever you slice it. It doesn't matter how smart you are, how dumb you are, how insignificant you are, how prominent you are. It's saying yes to Jesus and no to the world. And indecision is going to keep every single one of us from being the people God's called us to be. Indecision is going to keep us from being the people that's going to walk in power. Man, I'll tell you one thing I don't want to do. I don't want to leave my family as an indecisive dad. I don't want to leave my wife as an indecisive husband. Why? Because a double-minded man, brother, he's unstable in all his ways. He's unstable in his home life. He's unstable in his work life. He's unstable in everything. You, you're wanting to rest in blanks. Chandler, give him rest in blanks real quick. You're, you're going to see what happens, uh, that, and you, you can see that progression. I ain't got time to go through that. There's some things that happen and as the Spirit of God is working in these men's lives. Uh, they get threatened. They go to prison. They get beat. They eventually, they're killed. And so the question still remains. The question still must be asked, whose side are you on? Are you, willing, are you willing to be threatened? Are you willing to be imprisoned? Are you willing to be beat? Are you willing to be killed? Are, are, you, are you willing to do that for the Spirit of God to work in your life? Because that's what it's going to cost you. That's what God wants to do in your life. That's what the Spirit of God was meant to do in every single believer's life. And if you'll let him, he'll do that in yours. If you'll let him, it don't have to be boring. It don't have to be dry. The Bible don't have to be a white page with black letters on it. You don't have to dread God working in your life. You don't have to. You, you don't have to dread any of that. Some of us dread things because we just have not made the decision. Let's do this. You would bow your head with me. Maybe God's working in your heart. Maybe you heard some stuff this morning. God's dealing with your own heart. Maybe there's some indecision in your own life. I gave you a whole lot of things that. that whole lot of things probably half of it I just had to skip over that I wanted to say the main point of everything that needs to be said today is this it's all got to come to a head on your decision 
What are you going to do with the power that you have on the inside that God gave you when he baptized you in the body of Christ? desperately want God to work in my life like he did like he did in the New Testament church you're going to have to be willing to endure some things that the New Testament church endured you'll have to be willing to say no to some things in the world you'll have to be willing to lay your life down for your brothers and sisters Let me pray for you. Lord, I want to say thank you for today. Lord, thank you for Acts chapter number 2. And Lord, Lord, the fact that we had studied the Bible and and we applied our life like like we do is just an amazing thing. And I want to say thank you for it. God, I pray that you're blessed today pray God that if there is a person in this room that's lost it's never came to saving faith in Jesus Christ Lord I pray that I pray that you'd show them their need for a savior today man they're wrestling like I was 24 years old wrestling over what I was going to do with Jesus Christ on Wednesday night God, you can save them just like you did me, just like you did every person that has called on your name, that has placed their faith and their trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Just like that, Lord. God, I I pray this morning, Lord, if there is a person in this room that's lost, I pray, God, that you bring them under the Spirit's conviction to bring them to a place where they will do that. Lord, I pray for all of us in this room that that are at a particular place of of maybe indecision. God, help us not to be like those that were mocking. Lord, help us to be amazed. Amazed that the Spirit of God could and will work in our lives like He did in theirs. God, use us time. Lord, we love you, and we're really grateful for all that you've done. We're really grateful that you're you're good to us, and you're long-suffering toward us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, I did not mean to keep you this late. Miss Candace is going to string me up over there um if you need to if you need to talk to me after service about anything you need to you you say i want to talk to you about salvation uh you say i don't want to talk to you want to talk to another lady i'd love to uh, point you in the right direction there and um but um anything else you got in your life you want to speak about you want to talk about i'm always here for you i love you i hope you have a good rest of the day take your notes home go back and listen uh whatever you need to do uh to make it all make sense. I hope it did make sense.
um, that, that's a hard one to try to convey in a, in a, uh, that allotted amount of time. So, um, rest of you have a good rest of the day. I'll see, uh, I'll see, uh, some of you on Monday, tomorrow night. No, I won't see you tomorrow night. Brother Dylan will be seeing you tomorrow night, right? Okay. <laughs> you, you look a little, you, you look like, whoa. Uh, so, y'all have a good rest of the day, and I'll see you on Wednesday.